Happy New Year, everybody. It's time to reflect on the machining world of 2023 and give our thoughts about what we see going into 2024. Right before we recorded this podcast on December 17th, 2023, Lloyd Graff and I prepared by listening to our end-of-year podcast for 2022. A year ago, we didn't really go out on a limb with bold predictions for 2023. We talked about our successful strategies in 2021 and 2022 for Graf Pinkert's used machinery business and how we were continuing the same game plan going into 2023. After all, why change what's been making a lot of money for two years? But as you might expect, business changed in 2023. Deals were harder to make, and we sold different types of equipment from the previous years. Fortunately, our M&A business continued to grow, and we had a nice strong finish. Keep listening for more insight about what worked and didn't work for Graf Pinkert in 2023, as well as our instincts about where the machining business and Graf Pinkert's business are headed in 2024. This is Swarfcast, the podcast for professionals in precision machining. I'm your host, Noah Graf. As listeners of this podcast know, my family company, Graf Pinkert, has been buying and selling used machine tools all over the world for the last 80 years. Every day while selling machinery, we talk to owners of machining companies who tell us they want to expand their business through acquisition. We also encounter a lot of owners of companies who are ready to exit but don't have successors. This inspired us to start a new business service. Graf Pinkert Acquisitions and Sales, in which we serve as consultants for precision machining companies who want to buy or sell their businesses. There are a lot of business brokers out there who can list your company. But for the most part, those people are generalists. They may not have even heard of precision machining. Another unique thing about working with Graf Pinkert is that we often have a personal relationship with both the potential buyer and seller putting us in a rare position to evaluate if the two parties are a good fit for each other. Go to graphpinkert.com to contact us for a consultation to see if your sales or acquisitions needs are a good fit for our services. Mention this podcast and we will give you a free tabletop valuation of your company's equipment. Click on the link in the show notes. I am honored to be here with Lloyd Graff my dad, my mentor, my occasional co-host of this podcast. And we are talking about our reflections of 2023 and um, thoughts about what might happen next year. Dad, do you have anything else to say? I have quite a few things to say, actually. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so, okay, let's just uh, jump in. It sounds like you got some stuff on your mind. What is the first thing that you want to say when you are thinking about 2023? By the way, everybody, today, uh, December 17th, probably going to hear this in a couple of weeks, but today, December 17th, is a day after Lloyd's birthday. He just turned 79. So congrats on that. And I'll let you take it away now. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. You can come on whenever you want. Well, we'll... I doubt that. But anyway, um, I want to talk about 
this past year, what went right as far as our predictions and how we acted on them, and what were utter failures and moderate failures. I like that you keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I'm extremely grateful to be here today, to be alive 15 years after a heart attack uh, that should have killed me and quadruple bypass valves uh, surgery. And here I am 15 years later, still working in the business and fortunately working with my son, Noah and Rex Maganotti. And the rest of the Graf Pinkard crew. Yes. But as I look back on the past year, I see that we built our predictions based on what had been successful in 2022. Right before we made this, we listened to a podcast we recorded about a year earlier, uh, sort of our end of 2022 podcast. So this was really interesting for us to reflect on all our sage advice, predictions, observations. I feel like we didn't actually predict what was going to happen this year. We just kind of said, this is what we did well in 2022 when it was our best year. And so we're going to keep doing it and maybe back up the truck on it. Would you say that was kind of what we did? Yes. And 2023 was a fantastic year. It even beat the previous year. 2022-2023 rebounds from the pandemic were enormously successful years and probably the best years the company has ever had. And But you just said 2023 was one of the best years the, the company had. You mean 2021 and 2022? 2021 and 2022. Thank you for correcting me, as you often do. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do you want to go back and edit it? No, we shouldn't. We should just keep going. Let's keep it real. And what we did were was uh, to continue to buy old mechanical screw machines that not many people, not many dealers, not many competitors seem to want. And we bought Swiss machines that everybody else seemed to be doing. And, you know, at the end of 2022, the Swiss machines, the citizens, the stars, Tsugamis. I mean, we had done pretty well on those machines in 2022 and just figured, oh, let's let's just keep going with it. Let's get some good ones. We found some in Japan. Uh, We thought we were more clever than everybody else. Um, And... You know, we had had some luck in the past bringing stuff from Japan. So we figured, oh, let's let's bring them in. We'll, we'll have the machines in two months. We probably didn't get the machines until like May or something, right? I think we probably were looking at them at this time of the year. And we, you know, you just could not get a good Swiss machine. So we bought these machines. They're beautiful, but, you know, they're sort of middle-aged, you know, uh, around... 2000, anywhere from 2006 to 2011, but in perfect condition. But we just figured, oh, we're going to get them here and they're just going to sell instantly and it's going to be worth all the craziness. But we've sold a few, um, but the deal hasn't just, it just hasn't gone as what we were hoping for. We were hoping this would be just one of many good deals this year. And it's turned out to be, I wouldn't call it a failure, but I would call it right now it's it's just okay, and 
um, okay is really not a success on this. We did include a 2016 Fanec Wire EDM, and although we didn't get the price that we hoped to get, which is often the case, we did sell it. And uh, yeah, we had we bought four citizens, a DMG Mori show machine, never been in production, and a Wire EDM. And half of the machines have sold, but it's just been okay. And I think part of the reason that the Swiss market has cooled off for us, it's not that people aren't using Swiss machines. It's two things. Number one, we were selling used Swiss machines last year because the new companies, the the OEMs couldn't get the machines fast enough. So people who would buy new were buying used. By the time we got these machines in, the backlogs had ended. So that was one big problem. And the other problem I feel like is... uh, People now, you ask them how business is, and they say, many people say, yeah, business is good, but they're not ready to like roll the dice on some expensive or even moderately expensive equipment. They're just, they're just sort of in this holding pattern. Well, also, Noah, many of the Swiss machines made parts for the uh, firearms business. Mm-hmm. And the firearms business absolutely deteriorated in 2023. And the market that people had expanded dramatically for fell apart. Well, all of a sudden, half the demand for new and used Swiss machines evaporated. Why do you think the demand fell? I think that like us, like other people in the world, Many people went into the firearms industry and they didn't really understand what they were getting into. (laughs) And Oh, that's not like us. (laughs) Right. And then because people overbuilt to accommodate what they expected to be a continuing rise in the firearms business, and then the firearms business fell apart. But why did it fall apart? Political reasons? Well, I, I don't really know exactly, except I think people uh, bought too much. And while the demand still existed, there was w- a huge amount of overcapacity. And therefore, prices fell. And people had a lot of expensive equipment. And it was difficult for them to lower prices. And that was a a significant reason why our business went way down last year after the first quarter. The first quarter continued the momentum of 2022 for us. What did we sell in the first quarter? Just some some Davenports, sold some parts washers. Yeah, we sold some Swiss machines. We sold... And we sold two indexes, beautiful... Index MS40 yes. machines we brokered that were in Europe. Yeah, that so, was a that was a really good deal. Yeah, so um, the first quarter was an excellent quarter, not a phenomenal one, but an excellent one. The second and third quarters were horrible. I mean, one was worse than the next, and we lost money. And it was uh, it was like a morgue at uh, Graf Pinkert. We just couldn't close a deal. 
Yeah, we had these deals and they they would just drag on. And several of them did end up closing, but other dealers can relate to this. And probably people who make parts can can relate to this too, where you're just, I know they can, where you're just waiting for the customer. It just, you can't be too impatient. You can't be too needy because there's nothing you can do. You're just waiting for it to happen. Yes. How often did we hear, well, we're waiting for our client uh, to finalize the job. They won't buy parts from us till they finalize their work from their customer. And right now, people are stagnant. And then you had rising interest rates. Uh, The 10-year bond, which dictates the price of mortgages, skyrocketed from like 2% to almost 8%. And people stop selling homes and they stop buying homes. And why does that affect manufacturing? Well, a lot of fittings go in made on screw machines, mechanical screw machines particularly, go into new homes. And new homes just really weren't being built. Uh, partly because old homes could not be sold Mm. or people chose not to sell them because they didn't want to trade in a 4% mortgage for an 8% mortgage. Okay, so we have, now we've talked about firearms, much less people buying those, and home prices falling. So that's two blows. Yes, and and then just this plague that of indecision and companies, as I said, right down the line, could not clinch orders and actually have people order. It's the same thing right now. We're we're waiting for several people to do that. Yes, right. It is continuing, but it shows signs of breaking. But meanwhile, we kept up the momentum as far as buying, and we continued to buy Davenport's. Davenport's and Acme's and a few Wickman's, and now we're sitting with them. But, you know, you have to buy when you see an opportunity. Yes, but now the question becomes, is the mechanical screw machine business dead forever? And we're grappling with that, uh, and... It certainly is moribund right now. Is it totally ready for the grave? We don't think so. People are still using them. The question is if they want to buy more. Yeah, that's the ironic thing. The spare parts business our Whitman spare for parts. our Whitmans is very close to a record high. So that would indicate that people are running the machines actively, and and therefore they're breaking down, and therefore they need spare parts. So it isn't that people aren't using the mechanical machines. They are using them when they can find operators, which is, of course, another chronic problem in, in the screw machine world. And that is the screw machine operators are retiring, they're dying, and people are not going into the field. They don't see the future, possibly because uh, companies have uh, refused to raise the wages that are required to attract people. So all we hear are 
Well, I might buy another one if I could find people. Yeah. I mean, I was at my local, uh, this place, I get coffee. It's right in my neighborhood. They even, they actually sell it like out of a house, out of a window at a house. And I said, you know, how much do people get paid here? Oh, we start at nineteen fifty an hour. You know, is there healthcare? Yeah, there's healthcare, there's benefits. And that's to start as a barista. So, you know, granted, this is in Chicago, minimum wage is $15. You know, it's food for thought. If you want somebody to go and work in a hot, noisy factory um, and pay them $16 an hour when somebody can go and, I mean, I work at a restaurant and make a lot more right off the bat. Not saying one is the better path than the other, but, you know, money talks. It's also a pride thing. I got involved in link with LinkedIn a little bit more this year, trying to build Swarfcast mainly. And um, I had a few posts on there that got a lot of buzz. And one post talked about wages. And basically the question was, are people in machining underpaid? And I must have gotten 30 comments on it. You know, 90% of the people said that they were being underpaid. So is that the reason that there aren't enough people to run multi-spindle screw machines? No, but it's part of the equation. Owners are not as anxious to say that their workers are underpaid. Some will accept the idea, yet they feel like they're on an escalator. If they raise somebody near the bottom to attract them, they feel like they have to raise all along the way up. Right. I mean, we, we've gone to people and, at, and said, what are you saying? Would you, sit, would you pay somebody $60 an hour if they could do X? And they said, yeah, but it'll screw up my whole pay scale. And I get that. And I'm not saying I have the solution, but I'm saying that it's food for thought, why things are the way they are. Yeah. I think about our business. And last year, I paid bonuses twice big bonuses to people because we're making so much money. And this year I paid no bonuses. And here it is December 17th. And we're waiting for a couple of deals to finalize this coming week. And if they do, I will pay bonuses, not nearly as much as last year, but I will pay some bonuses because we're going to make some money. Yeah. And it's hard when there's inflation and you're used to what you made the year before. And we didn't raise anybody because we were worried about the coming year. So we just gave bonuses. And the interesting thing is that uh, people have not asked me for bonuses. They basically know that over the past seven, eight months, nothing has been selling. But... If these two deals gel in the coming week, the whole picture changes. And uh, it's an odd situation to be in uh, so late in the year. Usually people are preparing for Christmas, but this year they are holding their breath as far as whether they'll be able to pay for the gifts or make the savings that they made last year. Yeah. Um. We have all kinds of other interesting topics we want to talk about. However, before we get to that, let's let's stick a little bit to the nuts and bolts of the business, etc. What are you thinking that we're going to try to do next year? Well, I am actually going to get rid of a bunch of uh, mechanical machines that we've been sitting with 
for some time that we keep saying, well, we'll strip them for parts, we'll strip them for parts. However, this coming year, we are going to have to move, or at least so we believe at the moment. And this is a major upheaval, and it's something that I dream about every day, and everybody's wondering about also, because five years ago, I sold the Graf Pinkert building, 21,000 square feet. Beautiful building. Yes, that we built in 1984, believing that I probably would have retired or died by 2024. And Well, and it's not just that. It's just that I think you don't know whether this certain kind of equipment and this certain kind of model of stocking equipment is the thing you want to do forever if you had an opportunity. Well, we also did. the person who bought the building, another dealer, anticipated using the whole place. Right. So he leased it to us. He, for... le he leased half of it. Well, more than half of it to us, including all of the offices and the parking lot, too, where we keep containers with all kinds of parts that we may never use. Now we are. We didn't. We we didn't have an option uh, when we made the deal. So we're in the case now where we're looking for the right fit for where to move to. Right, and tossing it back and forth. Um, you know, do we want a building like what we have now? Uh, can we settle for a building with a smaller crane or no crane? How many square feet do we need? You know, all kinds of questions that. People have differing ideas on. And meanwhile, we're looking to lease and agents are bringing us various properties and nothing has been perfect and nothing ever will be perfect. But within the next three, four months, we're going to have to make some kind of decision. And I've been hesitating on making a decision because I keep hoping for something better to come along. Thank you to everybody listening to this. It gives me a real sense of purpose, knowing that people feel they get a lot of value out of the show, enough value at least to take the time to listen. Likely some serendipitous occurrence caused you to discover Swarfcast. And I know it might get tiring with me constantly talking about serendipity, but it's just on my mind a lot lately. You might have saw a promo for the show on social media or a coworker told you about it. In any case, if you know of somebody out there who would get some value out of the show, I'd like you to return the favor that you received once upon a time and spread the word. That's the only way others are going to find out about it. Back to the episode. Yeah. We found a place recently with a decent warehouse, but the office, it's, it's like a closet. and It's not that small, no. Well, I don't know. Maybe it needs to be revisited. But in any case, it's not... A good decorator could make something out of it. But anyways, we're hedging our bets for the coming year. You know, do we want to back up the truck on a certain kind of machine? No. Obviously, if you see an opportunity, you have to go after it. But we've seen our successes this year. We've sold... We're on the verge of selling six very expensive CNC multi-spindle screw machines. And then we've sold some Acme's and a Wickman and also done several deals with for companies 
brokering um, machining companies. We've done two more this year. So we see that as as very interesting as well. So our thought is to not try to push into one, roll the dice on one thing, because last year we thought we'll get some more Swiss machines and some more Davenports and the times will keep a rolling. Would you say that's a pretty good uh, assessment? Yes. And then there's always the possibility of some black swan event that uh, could screw everything up. We have an election coming up with two unpopular candidates uh, leading the way. And uh, it's an unknown who's going to end up running, much less winning. And you could have a third party. Here we are. 11 months ahead of the election, and nothing is really clear. So that's another complication going into the new year. What, what advice do you have for people in our industry, our customers, for the coming year? Do I really have advice? Can I really give anybody else instruction on how to run their business? All I can say is be attentive to your clients. Listen to them, call them, be kind to them. And be attentive to your employees, etc. Um, we've both written this, said this in various ways. You want to go after and treat employees with the same care that you would to try to get a customer. Because, the, you know, they're both worth their weight in gold and they're both people and they both need... You they need, need compliments and and they need paths cooperation the companies that we know are really doing well are the ones that have great workforces have employees that well, at least this is according to the owner but it seems like they have very good culture those are the companies that happen to also be winning still yeah and i have to say i'm awfully tired of hearing people call and say i can't get an operator i can't get an operator and i say well, what are you doing? Well, they say it's hopeless. We put a sign out and, uh, you know, people who knock on the door, we hire them and they're gone in a week or they never show up. And we needed uh, an employee this year because one of our employees chose to leave and go to work with his father. And we advertised locally in what, the newspaper? Yes, the, the newspaper, which is not a newspaper anymore. And after maybe two weeks, we had a call from somebody who knew us, worked for a client of ours, and said they've cut back his hours, and he's willing to work half-time for us. And I said, that probably will work very well. And he's He's worked out extremely well. So every time I've attempted to find somebody, I've been able to do it through word of mouth, through advertising. And there are people out there who want to make a change, and there are good people. And I have to say that I basically tune people out who say, you just can't hire anybody. How about you, Noah? Um. Yeah, I don't necessarily tune people out. I, I I think that it's I don't necessarily have the right to know exactly what their situation is. But that said, I feel like money talks and 
again, I'm, I'm going to give the caveat that it's not really my place to say I know how your people work and how you run your business, et cetera. However, to me, it seems like if you have somebody that can run a Sugami and you buy a citizen, you should be able to, that person should be able to learn to run this other machine. And maybe this is just my bias as somebody who wants to sell whatever I have to somebody else. But everybody says, oh, well, my people won't run it. You know, oh, my people won't run uh, Wickman because they only run Acme's. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's a pity if that's the way the people are that you employ. Um, and maybe that's just the way, you know, it's hard when somebody's been doing one, doing something one way for 20 years. And, and again, I don't know, I, I can't totally say that I know what you should do or what you could do because I'm not, I don't work at your place and I don't run a manufacturing company. That said, maybe people just need to be a little more creative. Maybe people need to get some automation, um, get a, an automatic bar loader so they can run more than one machine at a time. Maybe they need to um, be open-minded about training somebody they already have. I don't know, but I just think that there's solutions. If you have the ability to get the work, I think that there's probably a solution to, to make it happen. As everybody who reads this and listens to this know, I'm constantly into personal development and bettering myself. And I listened to a book this year. It's sort of irrelevant what it is, but one of the people in the book, they were an entrepreneur and they had this this line in there. They said, uh, I like to bite off more than I think I can chew and then figure out how to chew it later. And this is something that lately I've been telling myself this, I, I write it on my schedule um, that I look at every day. Don't necessarily hold back on a, on a risk, on a, you know, maybe like we bought some machines the other day, this big, we bought these two big indexes that, you know, we're, there's a 99% chance we're going to sell. Did we know exactly how we were going to fit them in? No, but we figured we'd figure that out. The opportunity was good enough that we'd just go for it. Um, you know, and there's, there's tons of examples, but I, I could see if you're a manufacturer, you don't necessarily have the right machine or the right guy or woman to run it, but then you just have the best opportunity possible to just a game changer, something that could make you a zillion dollars. If you, if you really want it, you could probably come up with a way to, to figure it out if it's interesting enough. One way you might be able to do it is to buy somebody else out who has operators. And That's another move, thing. And move work into their place. There's no perfect solution to any problem, but there are solutions. And as uh, you once said to me, there aren't problems, there are simply puzzles. Yeah, that was another one I learned this year. Quincy Jones once said that. Yeah. I, I like that line. I, I totally think about that. When, when something seems like a real problem, you know, take a step back and say, I don't have problems, I have puzzles. Problems are like somebody's on their deathbed, you know, like th that's a puzzle that's it's difficult to solve. But I mean, there's ways. What else, what, what else personally uh, you have on your mind? Honestly, one thing I have on my mind is the war in Israel and Gaza. And then I have the reaction of people in the United States, which I found shockingly disappointing as far as people saying they 
support the Palestinians. You can still support Palestinians and not support Hamas. I mean, many people in Israel ha have been looking for a solution uh, to making peace with the Palestinians, and the Palestinians on the West Bank have been paralyzed partially by fear of Hamas. And this, this massacre that Hamas did is appalling, just sickening, and I can fully understand why Israel has decided that this is the moment to go and to crush Hamas and develop a, a new Gaza that they can live with. But what I find so shocking, actually not shocking, but nauseating, is what the colleges mm -hmm. are, particularly the elite schools, are showing in their attitude towards, of all things, waffling on genocide. Yeah, you, the people said, oh, genocide, you know, we, we believe in genocide against the Jews, and them saying, it's okay to say that, freedom of speech. And it's just, it's just so hypocritical. If somebody else had said that about some other group. If they'd said it about uh, black people, if they'd said it about homosexuals, I mean, uh, or Arab people. Yes, that they would be fired immediately on the spot, virtually. Even if they allowed it to be said. Yeah, or you have college presidents testifying in Congress to this effect. But I do see potentially a right turn taking place after the sense of uh, being appalled by so many people particularly big donors. Anyway, that's what's on my mind. And also celebrating my birthday, celebrating the birthday of uh, my oldest granddaughter, uh, excuse me, my youngest granddaughter. That's her Cali birthday today, right? In California. And having the pleasure of having my two grandsons in the house with us over the past weekend. Anyway, that's all I have to say, Noah. All right. Well, I have a few other things to say. First, I'm just grateful for, well, I'm grateful for so many things. Every, every morning I say I'm, how I'm grateful for my family and all the gifts that I've been given, gifts of skills I have and abilities and ambitions and gifts of being in this country, being an American citizen, gifts of just the, all the loved ones I have. Um, I'm just so grateful for that. And I, I say it every morning and it just I means scientifically that it's proven that it makes you feel happier to do that. But another thing I'm grateful for are the people who listen to this podcast and watch it or read about it. It gives me a sense of purpose knowing that I get to leave my mark on the world and, and have people actually hear what we have to say and take the time, take a half hour to an hour and 20 minutes to just sit and listen to us talk. It's an incredible feeling. And as I've talked about it before, I have a podcast coach who it's, it's a coaching program I, I did. And I paid a significant amount of money to try to build listeners. And to do that, one of the main things you do is you do social media and you get on other people's podcasts. And I've worked hard at it. And in the listenership's gone up some, but not nearly exponentially like they had made it seem 
like it was going to do. And, you know, that's partly on me and that's partly on, you know, everybody's stuff is different. That said, the positive is this year I've gotten more emails and people seeking me out on LinkedIn, people saying that they love the show and, oh, this show made me quit my job because I was inspired by all the people on it. Or, you know, two people recently have contacted us. I need help. I'm trying to sell a company or no, I want I want to buy a company. Can you help me? And they want to talk to me and, and pick my brain or and we sold a company this year. A guy and his wife, they're big fans of today's machining world and Swarfcast. And they heard our ad about our new business brokering. And that's why they sought us out to sell their business. And we did. And that's that's just, that's awesome. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And what I love is you, you went down there and he showed you all the cards of all the people who said they would sell the business for him. Business, quote unquote, business brokers. And they none of them had gotten any action. And I found the potential buyer. And it didn't take long. We just kind of went through. It was, it was actually quite serendipitous because, and you knew I had to bring up serendipity. You were looking at um, some other customer that you thought might be interested in the business. And then through you looking through old emails for that customer, you discovered another customer that had been interested in that guy's business. And then you thought, whoa, this customer could be interested in the one that we're selling out west. Boom, you called that customer. They already had a, a company in Tucson and this company was in Phoenix and it didn't take long. Yes, and the serendipitous event was that he was selling his business in Iowa to somebody who worked for him and was going to have a big personal gain on the equipment that had been depreciated and was looking for another depreciable opportunity. Oh, so, so he could spend some of the money that, right, and take it out of his income? Yes. In any case, you know, that's a great feeling. So it, it's not necessarily quantity uh, as far as the people listening, but I can tell the the impact of the show. I, I feel it, and it's awesome. And, you know, for a while I was doing it, and I was just like, man, I've interviewed all the really good ones. I can't think of anybody else to interview. Everybody else is going to just be okay. And I keep coming up with great people to interview. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's like you with writing the blogs, Dad. You wonder if you're out of things to write about and you keep coming up with more things to write about. But it's been a year of, of lots of serendipity. I'll talk about that a little bit before we wrap it up. I mean, as people who listen to this know, I do a lot of solo podcasts on here where I just talk about serendipity, the different things you can do to create it. And the more you talk about something, the more it actually comes to fruition. And so I've talked a lot about things you can say to people to cause serendipity, things you can do just to keep your eyes open, um, to find deals, to find prospects, to find to take an accident and turn it into something positive. A lot of these things, it's just a matter of being present. So that's one of the achievements of the year, I think for me, is, is doing that. The other achievement is that uh, I've managed to keep uh, my son, my one and a quarter year old son, we've managed to keep him alive and thriving. So 
that's been very satisfying. And it's been a pleasure to work with you, Noah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to work with you. It's a gift. And I, you know, I recently wrote a blog, wanted to make it a podcast, didn't have time, but it's, it was about pausing, you know, just trying to pause during your day, like take a picture in your mind. Sometimes I just take lots of selfies, which helps because it's a reminder to pause, but you're doing something, maybe you're with somebody you love or where you're coming up with an idea that excites you and you just pause for a second and you go, all right, this is cool. Just, just stop for one second because these are the important moments in your life. And just remember, if you live to 80, you get 4,000 weeks. So if you're only living for the weekend, that's only 4,000 weekends, eh, you know, so you better enjoy all those little moments. And again, do as I say, not as I necessarily do. <laughs> With that, I wish everybody a happy new year. You'll probably be hearing this in January. And I'm very grateful. Me too. Happy new year. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 